Hello, hello, spooky people, and welcome to another episode. I am your resident spooky drag queen, Pissy Miles. And I'm your resident spooky smartass, Sam Baxter. And, and this, this is, is my spooky, spooky gay family. Hello, Sam Baxter. Hello, Pissy Miles. How are you? I'm well. How are you? So far, so good. I am uh, thriving, surviving, <laughs> diving, deep diving today. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot of shit to talk about. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Are you? I am. I really love the topic for today. So. Me too. This is uh, we're, we're talking about a movie today that we... Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember when this came out. I, you would think. 2013. 2013. Thank God you were here. <laughs> <laughs> because you would think of all the research I fucking did today, you would think I would have looked up a few simple facts about uh, about this damn movie. But I didn't. <laughs> I looked up everything else. Um, what's new with you? Not a lot. Um, I work and then I come here. And then I work some more. <laughs> Well, I live a rich and fulfilling life. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um I I wish I could say the same. I've been I've been working quite a bit recently, which is nice. I know, I know I talk about this all the fucking time, but uh it it is very nice to know that I I'm working a lot. I'm just a bit a bit sleepy if I'm being honest. <laughs> um but I'm I'm excited to be talking today about uh, our topic. We have a lot of shit to get to, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right in if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. I know I know every week we we tend to spend a lot of time <laughs> bullshitting and talking about shit. Today, Sam and I uh, were going on a, a tirade about um, police brutality in America before we started recording. <laughs> so we're was, in a great mood. Yeah, we're in a wonderful mood today. Um, and strangely relevant to the movie we're talking about. <laughs> and I'll get to it when we get to it. But um, yes, today we are going to take a break from discussing gun violence and police brutality to talk about a, a, a hugely famous movie that came out in 2013. It was directed by James Wan and it was written by Chad Hayes and Carrie W. Hayes. Uh, and it is... Probably one of the most influential horror movies of the last 10 years. And that movie is The Conjuring. Yes, it is. It has spawned a an entire franchise. Uh, we have a third movie. Co- oh, fuck. I never watched the, the trailer. trailer. <laughs> God damn it. I didn't watch the, the new trailer. Apparently, The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, uh, recently released a, a new trailer because we can expect the movie very soon, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah, I think it's June. June. Uh, and I did not watch the trailer. You watched it, right? Yes, I did. What did you think? I'm a little... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little confused by the new trailer, to be perfectly honest with you, because it seems a lot more like an action movie than a horror movie. <laughs> really? Like, 
there, there's a lot of running through the forest and like nearly falling into quarries and like there's there's a lot happening in in the trailer that I'm kind of like I'm a little confused, especially having to do with Lorraine. What? Like Lorraine's doing a lot of running through the woods and shit. <laughs> have you seen pictures of the actual Lorraine? I, I have seen pictures she of Lorraine. She does not Warren. look like a woman who's done a lot of diving and climbing and jumping and falling. <laughs> no. Like this woman, I'd be surprised if she had ever really left the house. Like <laughs> she's like, I'm psychic. I can see from here. Like this woman is the most homely looking person I've ever seen in my entire life. And strangely enough, we'll get to that later too. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm kind of mad at myself for not watching that trailer now. It's okay. Well, you didn't honestly miss that much. It's not. I know. I mean, it looks like the movie's gonna be interesting. It looks like it's gonna be hopefully scary. Um, I think we are officially out of the based on a true story, like even the Hollywood definition of that. <laughs> but like, <laughs> like you can't even say based on a true story in that like one thing that happened kind of influenced one line of dialogue. um we will get to the conjuring in just a moment we do have a couple of listener questions and comments based on our main episode today as always we ask uh our patrons on patreon for uh any questions and comments that we answer in our mini mini microsodes available on patreon but Some of the questions and comments we received today were about the main episode, so we will be addressing them in the main episode. First, from Okami, uh, and hello, Okami. Okami said, I'm not a fan of the whole Conjuring movies because I usually make fun of them instead of getting scared, but I do feel the need to say that Pissy should be casted to play the nun in the next movie. And I'm not going to disagree. I'm. I say yes. I a challenge accepted. <laughs> it would be a a, a much fatter nun, uh, de- definitely a nun with a thicker neck. Sister um, Mary Patrick. Sister Mary Patrick. We've moved on from Sister Mary Lazarus to Sister Mary pa- Sister Mary Patrick. Um, she would definitely have some heavier eyeliner. Mm-hmm. And she'd probably be haunting a Pizza Hut, but I, <laughs> I will, I will definitely play the nun in the next movie. So thank you, Okami. I hope that I can live up to your, uh, to your expectations. Our next comment is actually from a listener who is uh, a member of our spooky gay cult. They are a top tier patron on Patreon. And uh, Cameron Walsh is a, a very, very good friend of the pod. And Cameron sent in a really interesting story. It is not necessarily related to The Conjuring, but for the fact that uh, Cameron is from North Carolina, and I'm pretty sure they filmed The Conjuring in North Carolina. Did they really? I'm pretty sure it was Gem Studios or, or something like that in North Carolina. Okay. Where they filmed it. The actual story, the actual story that this is based on took place in Rhode Island, but... Uh, they filmed it in North Carolina, and Cameron wrote in. I, I won't even paraphrase. I'll just get into his story. He said, "Hey, Pissy and Sam, after listening to the episode about Karen, aka the woman in white, this is I think two or three episodes ago. Yeah. Um, I wanted to share my experience. I am a member of a paranormal team in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I work at a historic home called Historic Rosedale." 
Many consider this home to be one of the most haunted places in the Queen City. One of our more documented hauntings involves our own Lady in White. We believe that she did not meet a gruesome or tragic end. We believe she haunts the house because while she was alive, she was very proud of her home. And after death, she continues to keep an eye on things. After hours, many people have reported seeing a lady in white in a white dress walking around the front of the house or standing. Oh, I just lost my place. <laughs> or standing on the balcony. Some of these witnesses have actually called the police thinking someone was locked in or trespassing. On one occasion, the founder of our paranormal team saw the figure of a lady walking along the balcony and assumed it was an employee in costume. She decided a few days later to actually take the tour of the house and was shocked to see the lady from the balcony in one of the portraits in the home. Soon after, our team, the the Charlotte Area Paranormal Society, or CAPS, began to hold investigations at Rosedale. After one of these investigations in 2012, we were finishing up for the night when we noticed a figure in one of the upstairs windows. We could see this figure while using a thermal imaging camera. For a few minutes, we could see the figure of what appears to be a lady in a dress walking from window to window. Eventually, the figure faded away. We have returned dozens of times and have never experienced this figure again. Now... Cameron was kind enough mm-hmm. to send us the photos from the thermal camera. Yeah. You've seen them. Yes, I have. They're they're very convincing. They're pretty convincing, very spooky. And we are going to share them on our Instagram today. So definitely head over to my spooky gay family on Instagram. You can take a look. These photos are courtesy of Cameron Walsh and Caps, which is of course the uh Charlotte Area Paranormal Society. And you can check them out on our our Instagram. Let us know what you think, because they're pretty convincing, if I'm being honest. Yeah, you can see pretty clearly what Cameron's talking about. It's definitely an odd shape. It it looks very humanoid. Mm -hmm. Um, It does appear to be possibly a woman in kind of a Victorian era looking dress, Mm -hmm. which is kind of spooky. There's also a picture of the portrait that um, that Cameron says it's it's of the woman it's supposed to be right. and she's holding what, a, what looks like an Italian greyhound or some <laughs> tiny little little dog which I thought was adorable so <laughs> more props to to the Rosedale lady who uh, who has a, a cute dog ghost um, so thank you Cameron thank you for sharing with us definitely go check out our Instagram to see more uh, of the photos and I, I'm assuming Cameron that Caps has either a website or social media. And if they do, let us know. We'll share it away. Um, And that is, those are our listener comments for the main episode this week. That was fun. It was fun. (laughs) I always appreciate getting stories from everybody. And as always, if you have one to share, send them on in. We'd love to hear them. So with that said, we're going to, because we have a lot of shit to talk about today. I showed Sam my notes for The Conjuring and I was like, you need to see this because I have a surprising amount of notes. I've seen this movie 600,000 times. And I was like, it was like, it was like every scene I had more shit to talk about. But um, as I said earlier, this this movie came out in 2013. It was directed by James Wan, written by Ch- Chad Hayes, Carrie W. Hayes, and it stars... 
most most prominently Vera Farmiga, uh, Patrick Wilson, Lily Taylor, and Ron Livingston. Uh, they play Lorraine Warren, Ed Warren, Carolyn Perrin, and Roger Perrin, respectively. And this movie is allegedly based on a true story. It is the story of the Perrin family haunting. It took place in... Nineteen seventy. Well, no, I wasn't. I wasn't going for a date. I was going. Oh, uh, I, I, I had, I have the town written down here somewhere. It's Harris something, Rhode Island. Who the fuck knows? It's, it's Rhode Island. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, I I can't fucking find it. I wrote it down here somewhere, but uh, my my notes are. A little scatterbrained today. Um, It takes place in in Rhode Island, and it does take place in the 1970s. The Perrin family uh, is is kind of a crazy story. I did some research. Knowing that this was based on a true story, I was like, okay, I'm I'm going to look this up because I feel like if if we're going to talk about the fact that it's based on a true story, mm-hmm. we should probably have some of the some of the true story at least to talk about. Right. Um so I made some notes. I figured it would be good to start with what the story was that this was all based on. Okay, cool. Um the parent and I got all of these from two major sites. One was filmdaily.co and uh, one was historyvershollywood.com, um, which is a really cool site, by the way, if you've never been there. It basically takes movies that are based on true stories and kind of compares them to the true stories. Uh, so it was really interesting. This first bit of information was fil- was shared via filmdaily.co and it said the family... The Perrin family lived in a 14-room house known as the Old Arnold Estate. And this was in their their small town in Rhode Island. Andrea Perrin, the eldest daughter out of the five daughters of the Perrin family, claimed many spirits resided in the farmhouse along with Bathsheba, who was uh, the, in actuality, Mm -hmm. presumably the most vicious ghost in this house. Um. According to History Collection, which I'm assuming is some authority on these stories, the neighbors advised the parents to leave their lights on at night. The family claimed the ghosts were kind and benevolent in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, Cynthia, one of the five daughters, said, When we first moved into the house for the first two months, there was a woman that came and kissed me every night on the forehead that I thought was my mother. Shit. Which is pretty spooky. Um, During my research, I found that all of the daughters, all five daughters, have been to some extent vocal about their um their experiences in the house the 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 daughter who is the least vocal the most reserved about talking about her experiences was Christine who in the movie was the daughter who sees the yeah. the spirit behind the door in the famous scene which we'll talk mm-hmm. about later but Christine was always a little um shyer about sharing her experience Unlike in the film, a family friend 
was the one who contacted the Warrens and not Carolyn, the mother of the Perrin family. The Perrins claimed the Warrens made the ghosts worse. <laughs> the hide and clap game, which was featured in The Conjuring, was reportedly worse in reality than in the movie as well. But it hmm. does not go into detail about what happened. Meanwhile, in my mind, I'm like, the hide and clap game was pretty fucked up in the movie. Yeah. How much worse could it have fucking been? <laughs> Especially for Carolyn, like, getting locked in the basement. For real! (laughs) For real! Like, how much worse did it get? She got knocked down the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, that was one of my... That was one of my personal uh, favorite moments in the movie. (laughs) You just don't like Lily Taylor. (laughs) I, I, I don't really care for Lily Taylor. I think she's kind of a pain in the ass. Um, I, I don't like her as an actress and David has told me a story about her. He kind of bumped into her in person and said that she was rather rude to him. Um, I won't, I, I can't vouch for the fact whether she's a, a nice person or not. I've never met her. That's a shame. Um, but there's something about her acting that has always kind of bothered me. She's one of those like hoity-toity actors but it wasn't just (laughs) it wasn't just the fact that lily taylor goes flying down the stairs which i did kind of love it was also the fact that later in the movie um (laughs) ed warren has this really wonderful line where he goes so far it hasn't done anything violent and i was like what He's like trying to reassure them and he's like, so far it hasn't done anything violent. And I was like, I, f- I was like, here, I finished the line for you. So far it hasn't done anything violent. Just killing your dog, beating you in your sleep, throwing right. you down a flight of stairs and leaping from on top of the wardrobe to attack your daughter. That's all it did. Yeah. No, <laughs> nothing, nothing too bad. Violent. Nothing violent. <laughs> I was like, I was like, were you listening or were you like, <laughs> were you just in another fucking world while they were telling you this story? Um... But yes, as I was saying, a family friend of the parents, and this is in in real life, a family friend of the parents was the one who contacted the Warrens, not uh, not the mother, Carolyn, as is depicted in the movie. After the events depicted in the film, Roger Perrin apparently kicked the Warrens out, concerned for his wife's mental stability. Oh, shit. Um The parents couldn't afford to move out of the house until almost a decade after the Warrens came, and most of the hauntings within the house continued after the Warrens left. So, my impression of what happened is that the Warrens came, blew everything up, and then threw deuces. Yeah. (laughs) And then then dipped, yeah. (laughs) uh, From what I've heard about the Warrens in real life, Mm -hmm. this is not a terribly uncommon occurrence. Yeah, no. In that... They were not, they were not really terribly well known for bringing a lot of calm or peace to the people they quote unquote helped. Yeah, no, they're not quite the um, altruistic warriors that they are portrayed in in the Conjuring movies. Like it's in actuality, they were probably a kooky old couple of Christian, you know, Bible thumpers who really probably did not have any connection to a spiritual realm and probably were just 
kind of narcissistic, egotistical people. <laughs> Glenn's up there typing away on his brand new laptop. Uh, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. My, that has been my... Because you've heard the stories about the Warrens. Yes, I have. My thing was... The most infamous is the fact that the Warrens very famously, after um, the Lutzes moved out of their house mm-hmm. in Amityville, Long Island, yeah. there was a, a huge a kind of a thing made about the fact that a group of psychics kind of visited when and when and spent I don't know if it was a whole night, but they certainly went and visited and and kind of took part in an experience at the Amityville house, including mm-hmm. Ed and Lorraine Warren. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, that experience is where the famed photo comes from of yeah. the, the spirit boy. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen it, you should definitely go check it out. Maybe we'll share that on Instagram as well. Yeah. Uh, there's a very, very famous photo of a, a, a ghost of a little boy that can be seen um, in a room off the stairs as people are ascending it, that happened during this event. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, <laughs> Ed and Lorraine were the only two people who felt a demonic spiritual presence in the house. Every other... Yeah, but psychic... Lorraine Warren felt a demonic presence at the supermarket. She was, <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> she, she was <laughs> like, this kumquat is haunted. <laughs> the <laughs> devil is a kumquat. Um... <laughs> And that was kind of the thing. Every other person in the house who was there that night said that nothing strange happened, that they didn't feel anything particularly malevolent, that there was really no reason to be concerned for the the house. But Ed and Lorraine were convinced that there were demons and, and ghosts and spirits and things haunting the house. And it's kind of funny that in this movie particularly, they're depict they're depicted as being these people who are very quick to kind of dismiss things and and uh, kind of prove them wrong. You know, they, they have the whole sequence where they go to mm-hmm. those people's house and they're like, oh, this this is the sound you're hearing. And it's if I step on these floorboards and you can imagine how much worse it would be in cold weather if the floorboards are expanding and you hear them resonating through these pipes and it comes out the radiators and that's why you hear the sounds through the house. And it's like, that is apparently not at all what the Warrens were like in actuality. They were kind of quick to assume the worst. And uh, I think there is nothing more indicative of that than the Annabelle doll. (laughs) (laughs) It is literally uh, a Raggedy Ann doll. (laughs) It it does not look like the doll in the movie, but it was contained in a, a glass case. Actually, the case in this movie that they put Annabelle in mm-hmm. is very true to form. If you look up pictures of the actual Annabelle doll, there it, it is a big, a tall glass case, and Annabelle is sitting in there in, on a on a little chair, and there's a sign that says "Do not open under any circumstances" or whatever it is that uh, was mimicked mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. Um. the The story goes on. Uh from uh, filmdaily.co and it says wherever the spirit was she per- or whoever the spirit was she perceived herself to be the mistress of the house and she resented the competition my mother posed for the position Andrea said and Andrea is I believe the oldest daughter of, yeah. of the parents Andrea um, 
wrote a book in 2001, uh, which was kind of broken into three parts. And it, it was called um, House of Darkness, House of Light. And it is available to read still. I looked it up to see if there was an audiobook. There is not. So I'm not sure if I'm going to read it. Um, <laughs> I cannot vouch for this book. I don't know what's in it. I, I don't know if it's any good. I don't know if the stories are that interesting. I'm not suggesting that everyone should go out and read it. I was interested to read it just based on the idea that like all of the research I found said that they had this like horrific experience in this house. Yeah, it was supposed to be like totally crazy. Totally insane. But what's strange to me is that I was unable to find almost any stories online Mm -hmm. Detailing the experiences they had in the house. That is kind of strange. And, you know, for a book that came out 20 years ago this year, one would think someone would have detailed the stories that were told in that book. I I am very skeptical of this book, if I'm being honest. That's fair. Um... I don't know. If someone out there has read it, I would love for you to let me know if it's worth reading because I do want to know what the story is with all of this. I want to know what the fuck happened in that house that was so horrific. I was able to find um, some information about what happened and I'll share that. Like I said, Bathsheba was um, kind of presumed to be the the main culprit. Um, and Bathsheba was a real person. Her full name was Bathsheba Thayer Sherman. She lived in the farmhouse in the mid 1800s and she's, be- Oh, it's Harrisville, Harrisville, Rhode Island is the name of where this farmhouse is. Um, she is buried in the Harrisville cemetery alongside her husband, Judson Sherman. <clears throat> um, According to FilmDaily.co, the ghost of Bathsheba reportedly threatened the family with doom and gloom. Carolyn believed at one point Bathsheba's spirit had possessed her body. And she was, uh, according to the family, not the only ghost as other spirits supposedly began to fill the house after the family moved in. Um, Bathsheba was supposed to have been a witch, <laughs> but, uh, and, and I'll get into this history versus Hollywood um, kind of answered this question better than I could. They said, there's no hard evidence to support that Bathsheba Sherman was a, was really a witch, only legend and fo- local folklore. <clears throat> Having lived on a neighboring farm in the 1800s, suspicion grew when an infant mysteriously died in her care. When the baby was examined, it was determined that the mortal wound was caused by a large sewing needle or a knitting needle that had been impaled at the base of the child's skull. Though the townspeople believed that Bathsheba sacrificed the infant as an offering to the devil, as (laughs) as we constantly do, um, due to insufficient evidence, a court found that she was innocent of any wrongdoing. Despite her name being cleared legally, the public was not convinced. Um, 
In her book, House of Darkness, House of Light, Andrea Perrin describes her mother, Carolyn, talking to a man who she refers to as Mr. McEckern, supposedly a, a bit of a local historian. And Mr. McEckern told Carolyn that Bathsheba treated the help badly and that she starved and beat her Sherman Farm staff. <clears throat> um, now, this is something, this is a piece of information that when I learned it again via um, historyvershollywood.com was very suspicious. Mm-hmm. The family's connection to the spirit of Bathsheba Sherman came at the suggestion of paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. No shit. <laughs> the mother, Carolyn Perrin, told Ed and Lorraine about an incident that had happened a few years earlier. She said that she had been lying on the sofa and all of a sudden felt a piercing type of pain in her calf, and then the muscle began to spasm. Upon examination, she noticed a puddle of blood at the point of impact. She checked for bees or anything else that could have caused the puncture in her leg, but found nothing. Her daughter's book in her daughter's book, Andrea Perrin. In Carolyn's daughter's book, Andrea Perrin describes the wound as a perfectly concentric circle, as if a large sewing needle had impaled her skin. Uh When Carolyn told Ed and Lorraine Warren the story in conjunction with the tale of Bathsheba Sherman, who had been suspected of killing an infant with a knitting needle or a sewing needle, Lorraine suggested that Bathsheba Sherman could have taken the needle with her to the afterlife and used it to stab Carolyn in the calf. (laughs) From that point on, Lorraine Warren referred to the d- demonic presence in the Perrin house as Bathsheba. And this is directly via House of Darkness, House of Light. Um, there's a little more information about the state of the house and where things may have come from and gone. Um, according to History versus Hollywood, eight generations of one extended family lived in and died in that house prior to our arrival, says Andrea Perrin, adding some of them never left. The Black Book of Burrowville, the town's uh, former public records book, reveals that over the course of its existence, the property had been host to two suicides by hanging, one suicide by poison, the rape and murder of an 11-year-old Prudence Arnold by a farmhand, although this did not happen on, and I learned this via another source, this did not happen on the farmland mm. of the parents' house. This happened on a farm in Massachusetts. Okay. Um, two drownings and the passing of four men who froze to death, in addition to other tragic losses of life. Daughter Andrea Perrin, author of House of Darkness, House of Light, addresses this question in an interview. Every, she said, everyone who has lived in the house that we know of has experienced this. Some have left screaming and running for their lives. The man who moved in to begin the restoration on the house when we sold it left screaming without his car, without his tools, without his clothing. He never went back to the house and consequently the people who owned it, the adjacent landowners, never moved in and it sat vacant for years. That is via uh, talapalusajournal.com. The current owner, Norma Sutcliffe, stated that she and her husband, Jerry, have had far less intense experiences in the farmhouse, including the door banging in the front hall, sounds of people talking in another room, the sounds of footsteps accompanied by a door opening in another room, and her husband's chair vibrating in the study, which I'm assuming was uh, Norma's favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) 
The only things that were ever visible to them were a blue light that Norma saw shooting across the bedroom, and her husband once thought he saw a fog in the home. Norma stressed that she always looks at things from a scientific standpoint and that she has never jumped to conclusions over any of these minor experiences in the home. Since the movie's release, Norma has endured an ongoing barrage of trespassers and onlookers. To fight back, she spent months gathering evidence to disprove Andrea Perrin's story and the movie. And there's actually an hour and a half video that Norma produced that can be watched on YouTube. And there is a link to this video on um, historyvershollywood.com. If you search um, The Conjuring True Story, look for the link. It's near the top um, to historyvershollywood.com. You'll find the article I read, and there is a link in there to the video that Norma produced. And uh, I did not have a chance to watch it, but this woman was clearly uh, very unhappy with yeah. the story that was told about the home and the experience that they suffered because of it. So this was pretty much the extent of the information I was able to find surrounding the haunting of the parents' home in actuality in, I think it was Harrisville, I said, right? Yeah, you said Harrisville. Harrisville, Rhode Island. Um, And that is, again, not a lot of information considering what this movie asserts happened. I did read that Andrea has said that the movie the, the movie was made with both the Warrens and the Perrin family's blessing. Okay. Um Andrea Perrin has said that the movie definitely took liberties and there's obviously some Hollywood flair in it, but that it does stay surprisingly true to what happened in the house. And again, I'm sitting here going, Well, there's some crazy shit in this movie. Yeah. Where do we deviate? <laughs> You know what I mean? Is it your mom trying to kill people or like, <laughs> like, is that where that deviated or? Yeah. And again, th- this is a, a huge part of why I'm very intrigued and kind of uh, tempted to read this book, but I I don't know that I'm going to do it. I really don't. <laughs> and not... I'm trying not to be too judgmental. I really am, but it it's it it really to me is reading strangely like the Amityville case, mm. which I truthfully believe to be just a a crock of bull. Rather famously a hoax. It's ra- it's rather famously a hoax. And I'm not I'm not saying one way or another whether this is as well, but I'm definitely leaning towards hoax on this one rather than a true story. Just again, simply because of the involvement of the Warrens and also because of everyone's reaction to this house afterwards. Although mm-hmm. it has been said that, that other people have experienced things in this house. So I don't know. I really don't know what to make of any of this. I mean, this is all new to you. How do you feel about it? I mean, it's it's one of those things that if even the current owner has said they've experienced things, I'm inclined to believe. Compelled, yeah. Yeah, to, it, to believe. But. I'm sure that some... I'm not sure. I'm, I'm convinced that something probably has happened in that house. 
I have a hard time believing it's scarier than what's in this movie or that it is more <laughs> extensive than what is in this movie. Again, the only way to know would be to talk to the parents and yeah. or and or read this book. And I'm a little hesitant because the book is sold in chapters. Like I mm-hmm. said, it, it's sold in three sections. Right. And each section is about $4. And I'm like, well, it's only $12. So, like, did I really lose anything by by buying this this book in its entirety and reading it? And the answer to that is, it could be $12 that you lost. <laughs> so, I don't know. Do you think you would buy it and read it? I think I would be interested to read it, frankly. I, I think... With the assertion that it was worse than what's in the movie, I need to, I might need to read it. But shouldn't we assume that if it was that bad, it would be easier to find the information? I would assume that. That being said, like, this isn't, I had never heard of this case before this movie came out. I hadn't either. And that's why it's so suspect to me. Because it's like, you did not need a movie to know about the Amityville Horror. No. It was a very famous book. It was a very famous story. It was very famous local folklore and legend. I had never heard of the Arnold Farmhouse or the Perrin family before The Conjuring. And you and I both grew up loving ghost stories. Yeah. So I'm torn. I'm torn about whether or not I'm actually going to... uh, investigate this any further i'm i will say i'm really tempted i might um if i buy the book you can borrow it okay i'll take you up on that that way you're not (laughs) risking twelve dollars um all right i can i can get into that (laughs) so that said now we're getting into The the movie yes this is in my opinion a really great horror movie. I agree. I this, did this really come good. out after Insidious? Um, yes, because Insidious was like 2011 or 12. I think it was 2012. Um, and Insidious, if it came out first, was probably the first major introduction that a lot of us had to James Wan as a director. Um. 2010, actually. 2010. 2010. Yeah. So Insidious was the first, I would say, the first experience that a lot of mainstream viewers had with James Wan. I'm sure that he had other work before Insidious. I mean, Saw. But that's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. Um, As far as him telling ghost stories, Insidious was the first one that really, really took off in terms of his paranormal horror. Um. Then we get into this movie, and I think anytime you see James Wan's name attached to a movie as the director, <laughs> yeah, there are some pretty high expectations. Yeah, no, and I really like his style. I really like, I really like the way he shoots a movie. So I'm gonna go see it every time. He's very skilled when it comes to setting an atmosphere, setting a tone, setting an ambience. It is. Again, and and we talk about this all the time, how important it is for a movie to feel right. Mm -hmm. And James Wan's movies tend to feel that way. I don't think there's anyone who has ever watched 
the conjuring except maybe okami who said that they laughed through it but um i would say most horror buffs who watch this the first time you watch it this is a really tense movie it is and it keeps ramping tension and breaking it in a way that feels really satisfying yeah which is another thing that i really like about james wan yeah james wan in my opinion uh he he kind of is from the school like the steven spielberg school of filmmaking where it's like he really knows how to put a movie together in a way that um he captures the feeling of a moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. He knows how to, like you said, build the tension and then de-escalate it, but in a in a in a way that feels so like uh, it, it never like lets you off the hook. No. It just kind of gives you enough release that you can move on to the next moment. Yeah, it just lets you breathe a little bit before diving back in exactly and uh i definitely think you get that from the conjuring as a movie starting at the beginning of this movie um there are there are a lot of things i like about this movie like i said james wan absolutely love him uh i really love vera farmiga i I love her in everything she's in i think she's a really really talented actor um she's probably in my top two actors in this movie okay i would say it's a tie between her and uh joey king is that christine which is the the actress who plays christine i think they're easily the two most skilled actors in this movie (laughs) um i like patrick wilson i like patrick wilson I like him. <laughs> the face you're making right now. <laughs> I, I wish I could convey it a little better than that. I do like Patrick Wilson. I don't have a bad thing to say about him. Um, I find the character of Ed to be a bit annoying. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. I don't really care for him as a character. And I don't want to absolve Patrick Wilson of all of that. Mm-hmm. Because I think it wouldn't be fair. But I I do think that... I do think that part of it is the way that he is written. That's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that... I think that Ed, just generally speaking, is not a particularly likable character. But... I, I will say that Patrick Wilson's performance, at least in my eyes borders on cheesy okay where it's like vera farmiga i I feel like lorraine could very easily go in the same direction Mm -hmm. because you have these two characters who are these like two uptight super christian demon hunters or as they describe themselves demonologists in and that's how they describe themselves in actuality not even just in the movie um Vera Farmiga finds a way of making her very relatable and lovable in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there's a lot of 
a lot of Christian imagery and Christian. And it's like, if you're not a Christian watching these movies, it like, it, it really beats you over the fucking head with it. I mean, it practically nails you to the cross. It's like <laughs> this, this movie, it's like every fucking thing. You, it's just Christianity, this and God and Jesus and the Holy Trinity and, and all the saints and apostles and ever like everybody makes an appearance at some point. I mean, I do think that like some of the reason that Ed is more distasteful than Lorraine in this film is they give a lot of the, we'll say Bible thumping moments to Ed. Yeah. That's as agreeable. opposed to Lorraine. That's definitely agreeable. I do think that Ed gets a lot more of the, uh, he's definitely standing in a pulpit a lot more often yeah. than, than Lorraine is. He tries to perform an exorcism in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> And fails miserably. Fails miserably. Uh, With with a lot of comedic relief, if I'm being honest. Um, How did you feel about the fact that this movie centers so much on Christianity? I mean, this is kind of one of the problems I have with the Warrens in general. Mm -hmm. Not just The Conjuring. Is whenever you put that Christian spin on the paranormal, it's almost... Every single time, it's demons. It's demons and the devil. It's demons and witches and the devil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, first of all, we've we've discussed before, there is a difference between the Hollywood Satanist witch and the p- pagan, using the term witch. There is, there is a decided difference between what we're talking about. Well, and a lot of that stems from... The Christian portrayal of pagans and witches. witches. Yes, I know. So, to be fair. Yeah, I know. But, like, one of the things that bothers me about this movie, and again, this is something that bothers me about the Warrens, because this is something that I wouldn't put it past being true. Mm -hmm. Um, At one point when when they're doing their homework on Bathsheba, Lorraine says she was related to Mary Eastie. Yeah. Now, first of all, Mary Eastie is a real person mm-hmm. who died in the Salem witchcraft trials. Yes. The whole point of the Salem witchcraft trials is that no None witches died witches. during the Salem witchcraft trials. <laughs> so her being related to Mary Eastie just means she was related to a normal person who had something terrible happen to her. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, they're like, she was related to a woman who wasn't a witch. And they're like, she's, <laughs> she's a witch. A witch. <laughs> <laughs> It's also not for nothing like what you were just talking about with sort of the real folklore surrounding Bathsheba. It's not surprising if she was a bit of a bitch. Yeah. That people thought she was a witch. A witch. Yeah. So, so like, I, I don't know. Whole, like, the whole witches, witch connection is, is yeah. just is tenuous at best. The witch is like sacrificing children to Satan. It's like, didn't we do this 300 years ago? Like we've been through this before. And and it was largely viewed as one of the most crucial mistakes of the American judicial system. (laughs) The colonial judicial system. The colonial, yeah, let's let's get let's (laughs) clarify. It is one of the the biggest mistakes of the colonial judicial system um it is it's one of those things where it's like guys why are we tying this to the sale of witchcraft trials that was my question because it threw me a little bit because i don't know if i had just never really picked up on that line before or if it's just been long enough since i watched it that i forgot 
But when they said that, I was like, Mary Eastie was a real person. Yeah. Well, to like, be fair, so was Bathsheba. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like, <laughs> like tying her to this just feels kind of disrespectful. <laughs> like, like this poor woman got hanged and it's hanged, by the way, when it's a person not hung. I, I made that note. I was like, <laughs> there. I was like, this must have been the most happening fucking farm because everybody was hung. I was like, <laughs> everybody on this farm, the men, the women, everybody was hung on this farm. <laughs> everybody and i was like i, I yeah, was like a, a shirt is hung a person is hanged <laughs> unless they're appearing on men.com yes <laughs> then they're hung uh i it was one of those moments where i was like i was like they kept saying oh she was she was hung she was hung <laughs> and i was like how the fuck do you know <laughs> I was like, were you reaching up her fucking skirt? Like, get out of here. Leave her alone. It's none of your fucking business. Um, yeah, it, it, it. this is something that we learned in high school um, that was made very clear to us by our English teachers. And if you haven't learned this, this is an important information, an important piece of information for you to know. Objects are hung. Yes. People are hanged. Yes. <laughs> that is that is an important distinction. D- distinction, yes. um, but continue. You were talking about Mary Eastie. Yeah, no, I just the whole Christianity versus witchcraft thing because, like, even on their fucking museum door that's in their house with their like ten year old daughter. And it's like, when because Patrick Wilson actually has a line. He's like, it's like keeping guns off the street. I'm like, yeah, and putting them next to your nursery, you dumb <laughs> asshole. Like, <laughs> like dumb shit. Like, but it actually says on the door, it's their, it's their collection of, um, I, I don't even remember the first word, but the second word is witchcraft. I, th- I think it's really? demonology and witchcraft. And it's like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like, what do you have chia seeds in there you have you have yeah, mustard seriously. seeds and shit like, like fuck you what do you what do you <laughs> like you have you have roots of asphodel and shit in there <laughs> but like <laughs> but like i was watching the, the the conjuring 3 trailer and at one point um basically the gist of this as far as i can get is that they are up against a what ed calls a master satanist and, <laughs> and it's like, Jesus, here yeah, we go again. But like they find a quote unquote witch's totem somewhere. And I'm like, okay, first of all, we're going to stop right there. Like, <laughs> like, can we give this a like, fucking Can rest? we leave it alone? Like, can we call Satanists Satanists and witches witches and let it go? And even like, Satanists are not Satanists. Yeah, no, they're generally <laughs> secular humanists, really. And it's like... <laughs> like, Satanists don't believe in Satan. <laughs> like, <laughs> Satan worshippers, yeah. maybe. But, I, uh, but even then, like, there's so little evidence that this shit actually happens. That, like, like when we talk about the satanic panic and that shit, like, there's a reason it's called the satanic panic. It's not mm-hmm. that time that we had a bunch of Satanists doing shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a reason the word panic is attached to it as opposed because to it the was... very real events that happened in the 80s. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's, that's my take on that whole thing is basically I'm calling bullshit on all of the super Christian vibes yeah. from Conjuring and letting it go from that. 
Yeah, back in the 80s when we had the devil whoopsies. That's what that's what they should have been called. <laughs> um yeah, I I really struggled with all the Christianity in this in this movie. And it's like I'm not anti-Christian. It's just that like you would think that in a genre as alternative as horror we would not be kind of constantly spoon-fed this like mainstream yuppie small town bullshit. You know what I mean? It's also the fact that like when witches when when pagans, we'll say not witches, when when pagans are put in horror movies, they are generally a frauds or be evil. Or be evil. Yeah. Like <laughs> th- th- those are the only options. Mhm. So it's it's a little jarring and a little I don't want to say offensive. Offensive isn't the right word. But it's it's, it's a, misleading it's, and and <coughs> sorry. That's okay. Um it is it is concerning to me yeah. that this one religion is treated with such like absolute respect and all other religions are not. <laughs> yeah. Because even, um, I mean, you don't see a lot of, you don't see a lot of Jewish horror. You don't see yeah, you a don't, lot of I, There was one horror. movie about a Jewish exorcism, I think. Yeah. I can't even remember what it was called. Um, I don't remember what it was called either. But it was like the first like Jewish horror movie. And it's like, we're, we're basically, we're working with the same deities at that point. Like we're yeah. not even, <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're just dealing with half the book. That's the only difference. Um, well, it's not the only difference. I, you know what I mean. I know. <laughs> Um, it's one of those things where it's like, and people keep saying, oh, but, but Christianity is the most dominant culture in this country and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, at this point, it's not. How many, how many people do you know under 30 who are like devout Christians? Under 40 even, let's say. Yeah, no, there's, there's been a bit of a, like, this is the thing. The evangelical movement is very strong. Like there's there are a lot of devout Christians in this country. We'll also say there are a lot of devout fundamentalist Christians in this country. Mm-hmm. But um, but they're not no, watching the, the Conjuring. For, for the most part, I have never met someone our age that I would describe as a devout Christian. I, there was one girl in our high school who I met, and and she was kind of part of my friend group, who was evangelical, mm-hmm. and. It was probably the biggest dis- like personal disagreement she and I had. Yeah. But um, it, it was so funny because one of the things, her, she had a younger brother. And one day he was in a class with me because it was an elective. And he was, he got into a discussion about theology with the with our teacher who was a teacher I really loved. Mm-hmm. And he was like, but there is evidence of God. And my teacher was like, what (laughs) and he was like you know such and such a small thing happened how do you prove that without god and it's like okay not being able to explain something is not evidence of something else (laughs) like and that was kind of the the thing it's like it's the thing i i most resent about these movies is that it's like the christians got one spell (laughs) 
and, it, and it's an exorcism. And it's like every fucking time we're doing something, they're exercising somebody. And it's like, there is so much witchcraft to address so many different types of situations. Why do we not see witchcraft being used as a more productive tool in the in, in a genre that should otherwise be open to it because this is this is a niche genre and that's kind of a thing it's it's like this is kind of what i was talking about before with pagans being depicted as frauds it's like when we do see it it doesn't work Mm -hmm. and then the christianity thing works and it's always like well fuck you like like, well fuck me right like my religion doesn't count (laughs) but like Yeah, no, I think one of the reasons we don't see it is because so many people think it's bullshit that, like, no one would believe that it worked. I I think that's kind of the Hollywood reasoning for that. Also, like, how many pagans are making movies? I mean, that's true. But then you look at a movie like The Craft, and it's like, granted, it is a very exaggerated version of witchcraft. Yes. But it does... um, it does have some roots in witchcraft as a kind of good and bad force, which is which is a very simple way of of looking at witchcraft, but mm-hmm. it does kind of like the resolution is with witchcraft. Yes, you is. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it does pull from a lot of principles of paganism and witchcraft. So I would be I would be shocked if anyone said that a, a movie where witchcraft was used as the resolution would not be well received because that movie is so universally loved by people of our generation especially people who love horror movies <laughs> yeah um and queer people queer and people are qu- well, all about the craft of course <laughs> of course um so yeah, that that was kind of my take on the whole Christianity thing in this movie. It it really kind of got to me at certain points. Like especially when they first get there and Lorraine this whole moment when when the when the Warrens first arrive at the parents' house mm-hmm. and they and they're like uh <laughs> the whole moment is so bizarre. So much happens. Um, first of all, you get into all the, all the shit with, with Ed because he walks in and he's like, again, they, they were always painted as the, there's always a reasonable explanation Mm -hmm. type of people. (laughs) And then literally they're in the house for like two and a half seconds. And then, uh, Roger is like, uh, we smell rancid meat. And he's like, it's a demon. It's like, like the first thing out of his fucking mouth, he's like, rancid meat. It's a sign of a demon. And he's like, it's like, you know, Ed, you could have looked to see if anyone took the fucking garbage out. They live on a goddamn farm. You know, there's any number of, the dog is dead outside. Like we could have, we could have tried to explain this with one thing other than it's a demon. Or and, like the furnace. <clears throat> 
<laughs> yeah, <Absolutely>. like <laughs> any of the things, any of the things. Yeah. And it's like, th- then Lorraine walks in looking like an Amish drag queen in that fucking <laughs> collared outfit. And I'm like... And she's like, and she's like, oh, I see the demons. And it's, it's, it's like, okay, Lorraine, like, like, let's get into this a little bit before we're seeing demons. Let's get out of the foyer. (laughs) (laughs) Like, at least wait until you're in the living room to start seeing demons. It's only polite. Yeah. And, and, and the first assumption is that it's an, it's a demon. It's ba 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 ba. And then they're like, oh, the doors are always banging. And it's like, it always bangs three times. And he's like, oh, it's meant as an insult to the Trinity. And it's like, yeah, the, I was what like, the, what the an f- insult to the <laughs> Trinity? Like, like God's upstairs being like, stop banging that door. Like, like, <laughs> like he's, he's the nosy neighbor. He's the Gladys. I, I fucking loved it when, when Ed asks Rogers, like, are your children baptized? <laughs> And Roger's like, we never got around to it. Like, <laughs> we're not a church-going family. Like that's what that was actually one of my favorite things about this movie was the fact that the parents were not church-going, church-going people. people. Yeah, because like I know it's supposed to be played off as Ed going, well, that's a problem. But like I I'm, I'm still sitting here going, like you know what? Good for you, Roger. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you for representing. <laughs> thank you, Roger. <laughs> for being like, and yeah, then he's I like, never got he's like, that. well, you might want to fix that. And it's like. He's going to take him out in the lake. Like, get out of here. And it's like, oh, if if only they'd been baptized, Bathsheba would not be jumping off the fucking wardrobe. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't also, fucking matter. how do you know that they follow a religion that requires baptism? Yeah, they could have been fucking Jewish. <laughs> you don't... Uh, they're like, we have a demon in our house. Or we have something in our house that's tormenting us. And they're like, are you baptized? And they're like, uh... No, but our yarmulkes have been washed a few times. <laughs> and and they're like, well, that's why. It's like, get the fuck out of here, Ed. The whole thing was just, it, it, it really got to me. Yeah. <laughs> We're um, going to harp on this the entire the episode. The entire episode. So, this, so, whole so episode up. this whole episode <laughs> was just us being mad that this movie is about Christianity. Um <laughs> But there, uh, we say all this, and then we turn around. And we're like, we love this movie. I know you love this movie as much I as I do. Um, it is a very scary movie, if I'm being honest. It has a lot of good scares. It really does, and like, it's hard to scare me in a haunting movie anymore. Agreed. Yeah. So like, the fact that I spend most of the first time I watch this like with my eyes half shut. I think says something about James Wan and about the contract. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I totally agree. Um, I still find this movie scary. I do think there are some things in this movie that kind of delve into the unnecessary, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, especially the first bit with Annabelle just really didn't seem necessary to me. It's not necessary, but I kind of like it. I'm not gonna. Like- I do like it, but it was like if we were looking for time to add to the end of the movie to have a better resolution. Because if yeah. I'm being honest, I don't like the resolution of this movie. That's fair. Um, it easily could have come from the like first 15 minutes yeah. <laughs> where we have Annabelle, because <clears throat> I-, I get what they were going for. You know, I I understand that it sets up Ed and Lorraine as being reasonably skeptic because they have this moment where they're interviewing the two nurses Mm -hmm. where the the doll came from and and they're like well could it be this could it be that but 
and then they come to the conclusion that you guessed it the, it's a demon it's a demon <laughs> um and then we kind of get into all the fucking nonsense because basically they said that it, it kind of sets up the whole idea of the demon wanting to get inside of them and possess yeah. them and my note for this was is it possible that Annabelle is just a single white female but um <laughs> You kind of go through all the same shit where they're kind of setting you up for the story that's about to come, like where the Warrens are coming from on everything. And so I get that. It just was like, it seemed so irrelevant to the rest of the story. And then even having the part where Ed is like walking through the museum Mm -hmm. and he's with, he's being interviewed by that guy and they get to Annabelle. And of course he's just told the, the Annabelle story and blah, 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 blah. And, <clears throat> excuse me uh my my favorite part of that is when the guy is like well where is the doll now and, I, and it's like i just wanted ed to be like right here ladies and gentlemen welcome to the stage annabelle and then it turns into like jerry springer and they're like no she's here and like i just wanted annabelle to like come waltzing out like flipping her hair being like yeah i killed those bitches uh, uh, throw a chair yeah, yeah. i threw a chair I did it. Um, Yeah, so I I did appreciate that part of Annabelle, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily my favorite scare. Do you have a favorite scare in this movie? I think my favorite scare is in the scene with Christine and Nancy when they're in the room and Christine is saying that there's something behind the door. Mm. Because, like, all that happens is the door slams. Mm -hmm. Like, that's all that happens. Well, kind of, kind of. Uh, Christine does get tugged in bed. She does. But like the resolution of that scene is bang. Mm-hmm. Like, and it scared the shit out of me the first time I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> it is, in my opinion, I agree. It is the scariest moment in the movie. Um, it is. It is honestly terrifying because yeah. it plays at. It plays at that fear that we all have as kids, that fear of like, oh my God, there's something lurking in the dark. Yeah. And I can't really see it, but it's there and I know it's there and it's it's preying on me. Yeah. And that is terrifying. Um also, and, Nancy is a lot braver than me because I never would have walked over to that door. Like. Oh, no. <laughs> Jessica probably would have. <laughs> so Jessica is Nancy. <laughs> never in a million years you could not have paid me enough money to get up and walk over to that door and be like, see, there's nothing here. Like, Wham. no, <laughs> never happened. <laughs> yeah, that probably would not have been me either. Uh, it, it It is definitely, in my opinion, the scariest part of the movie. But... In doing my research today, because mm-hmm. I, I wanted to look up the actress who plays Christine. Her name is Joey King. And mm-hmm. she's, in my opinion, such a phenomenally talented actress. Mm. In this scene, she gives such a compelling performance. Like, she is terrified. She yeah. is crying. And, like, the moment where Roger comes in and she's like, it said it wanted my family dead. And she, like clings to him i was like Mm -hmm. oh my god like it's like tugging at my heart like how scared this girl is and i i I don't have enough nice things to say about her performance in the scene it really is what makes the scene so fucking scary but in doing my research about 
her today, I came upon something I was not expecting. Okay. This scene is very divisive in the horror community. Is it really? Yes. Because it basically split the audience in half. Half the audience said, this is the scariest fucking scene I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And half of the audience said, it's not scary at all. I didn't see anything. I think that there's... (laughs) I I think that there's... Some of that is just, just that, like, there are... There are only so many types of horror fans, and there is a section of the horror community that if I didn't see anything, I'm not scared. Mm-hmm. I disagree yeah. wholeheartedly mm-hmm. with that mindset. <laughs> I mean, if that's the mindset you have, that's totally fine. I just I disagree vehemently with the idea that you have to see something to be scared. I don't think it's fine. I think you're wrong. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but it is kind of funny. And and the one of the articles I read about this that kind of dove into it and and delved into the the details of it kind of phrased it the best way i think you could and it was that some people have enough imagination to be scared of this and some people do not <laughs> and i think it's intended to be as shady as it sounds yeah um And it does sound pretty shady. It sounds pretty shady. But that's kind of the thing that I love about this scene is it really challenges you to fill in the gaps. And it's like, well, at this point in the movie, we have not seen Bathsheba. No. We have seen that something is definitely affecting them. Yeah. Um, But we have not seen the ghosts. No. And like... I'm sorry. I think this scene is way scarier than Bathsheba on top of the fucking wardrobe. It's, like, it got me the first time, but like now I watch it and it's like, okay, there she is. Yeah, I I 100% agree. Um, in in that that mm-hmm. moment is now desensitized yeah. for me. But um, I th- I think they're scary in different ways. The Bathsheba moment was I shouldn't say is, but it was shocking. Yeah, when you first watch it. It's like, whoa, wasn't expecting that. Um, This moment still manages to keep the tension where it's like, this is the kind of scare I love because it really puts you, the viewer, in charge of, like I said, filling in the gaps. And it's like, it's it's playing at a fear for more than just a moment. It's that great, James Wan tension we were talking about where it's like you get to stay stuck in this moment this like childhood fear and it's like it doesn't just go away after you see the jump scare no it's like you don't get to go whoa and then laugh because you scared mm-hmm. yourself it's like you you have to sit there being like ooh Something's not right. Something's in that corner. Something's under the bed. It's like you yeah. you just are constantly like like wringing your hands going, oh my God, something's going to eat her. Like this, <laughs> this moment is just terrible. It's um, also like so many other things, the anticipation is worse than the actual scare. Like the reason good, like good jump scares are because you aren't expecting it at all. 
Like that's a good jump scare is when there is no anticipation. There's just the jump scare. Yeah. And there are good jump scares in this movie. Yeah. There are good jump scares in this movie. And like, there are really good jump scares in a lot of James Wan movies, but Mm -hmm. like this isn't that kind of scare. And I love this kind of scare so much better because it makes you sit there and stew on it. Mm -hmm. And it's all anticipation. It's all anticipation. I actually think this scare is more similar to the first wardrobe scare, the hide and clap scare, where she's like, okay, final clap. And the doors open and you're like, oh, Oh, shit. (laughs) 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 And granted, that one has the payoff of seeing the hands. But it, in my opinion, is no no different a resolution than the door slamming because you don't see Bathsheba. No, you don't. You know what I mean? You see the hands, which is creepy, but Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not shocking. It's not a jump scare. It's not like a, it's not like a, whoa, it's like a, oh, fuck. Like, like, which is funny because you have a jump scare with the hands later on in the movie when she's at the top of the steps and it just, want to play hide and clap. Yeah. And it just does it real quick. Like, (laughs) it's like, yeah, like <laughs> turned on the lights upstairs. Yeah. Like. <laughs> they got a clapper. Um, yeah. Do you have a favorite jump scare in this movie? I I mean, I think it is Bathsheba because I didn't see it coming the first time. On top of the wardrobe. On top of the wardrobe. Um I can't really think of another one that really, really got me. Mm. Um so yeah, I'm gonna go with that one. I think that I mean that one is iconic, and we'll we'll talk about that in a second. I would definitely say that one as well. Another one that I would say is kind of underrated mm-hmm. in this movie is the scene with the sheet. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I you I that's one I didn't see coming. Yeah, because she's going to take the sheet off the the clothing line, and all of a sudden it just like releases itself and gets stuck on. the shape of a person and then suddenly flies away and there is no one there and then it goes up to the window and then you see Bathsheba in the window and it's like oh fuck like (laughs) and it all happens so fast I would classify that as a jump scare yeah that's fair um another jump scare that I thought I don't know this is more of a tacky jump scare in my opinion I, I don't think it's one I don't want to call it a bad one because it's effective, mm-hmm. but um, it's the one when Carolyn is hearing things throughout the house and she goes mm-hmm. upstairs to check on the kids and they're all in bed. And then suddenly the pictures fall off the wall yeah. and you hear the like crashing and shit. And I was like, what does she give these kids Ambien? Like, I, I, why did <laughs> nobody wake up? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was really kind of a bizarre moment for me. That was not one of my favorite jump scares, if mm-hmm. I'm being honest. Do you consider the first time we see Rory a jump scare? Not really. It's because, kind of like a because like a it's spooky. Set up. Yeah, it's it's definitely spooky. But I didn't find Rory particularly frightening. Mm. So like I wouldn't classify it as a jump scare. Mostly because I wasn't scared by it, and jump scares usually get me. Mm-hmm. So, 
There's it, that. Is there a moment in the movie that besides besides the scene in mm-hmm. the bedroom with with Christine and Nancy, is there another scene in the movie that you thought really built up the tension very well? I think the scene where Carolyn gets knocked down the stairs and she's in the basement mm-hmm. really ramped it up very quickly and very effectively for me. Mm. Because just her being down there, you're instant, you're like, it's instant oh, dread. No. It's instant dread. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, oh, creepy basement shit. Is that the moment when it plays that like creepy thing on the piano by itself? I can't I remember think, when that happens. I think so. I think that's when it happens. They're like... Dum dum dum, and yeah. I was like, I, well, the the first time she plays it when they first find the basement, mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, why did you play that? <laughs> of all the things, she didn't play like hot cross buns. She was like, oh, a piano. Let me play this Transylvanian funeral march. Like, what the fuck? Why did you? Why did she play that? It's like it dong dong her. dong. I was like, I was like, what the fuck, Carolyn? What? How? And I was like, of course it's Lily Taylor. She had to play some fucking shitty, <laughs> creepy ass music on the piano. No, that and uh, Vera Farmiga in the basement too. I'm gonna go with both basement sequences. Did it really well. Mm. And in the Vera Farmiga one, it was actually, I was impressed that it held the tension that well because you actually see the ghost. Yeah. So it's like, but it's it's so creepy because you you see the back of the ghost, yeah. And I think that's how the tension was built so well. Yeah, no, I agree. It's that final payoff is really good, though. Mm-hmm. It is, like, yeah. Because you have multiple payoffs in this scene. Yeah, <clears throat> you have several. You have a when she puts the mirror down and the ghost is there, mm-hmm. and she's like, "She made me do it." Yeah. And uh, which, by the way, I was like. All the ghosts yelling this to some mm-hmm. degree. <laughs> the the my favorite is that uh Brad, the officer. Yeah. Even though, again, I think this is probably one of the most unnecessary moments in the movie when he encounters the maid. Yeah. And she's like, Look what she made me do. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, they're being haunted by Taylor Swift. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why? Why she's was dropping this a another thing? album? <laughs> Look what she made me do. Look what she made me do. And it's just her dancing around with cuts all over her body. Like, okay, Taylor, we get it. Uh but you 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 do get quite a bit of payoff in, because then you go from her the ghost scaring Lorraine mm-hmm. to then suddenly you hear the creaking of the noose yeah. and the ghost is scared yeah and it's like oh shit what scared this heifer like <laughs> how how did this bitch get scared <laughs> and again you seeing the feet mm-hmm. swinging it's like ooh it, it's like. It has an initial shock, but then it's tension because it's like, well, what the fuck is going to happen yeah. next? Yeah. And you see the the feet stop swinging and it starts to turn. And it's mm-hmm. like, you're it, it, again, James Wan is so good at building this, this tension of like, what the fuck is going to happen? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and then you get the payoff, I guess, of seeing the face when Lorraine runs away. Yeah. But then... She grabs the neck, the locket, mm-hmm. and it, it, which is something I don't think any of us were expecting. No, um, and, and was kind of a, a fun little payoff, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah, uh, I, I, I definitely agree. I really liked that 
um, that whole scene. Oh, excuse me. Was there, was there any character that you didn't really care for in this movie? I mean, I don't like Ed. I don't hate him. I don't. I don't think that there's anybody who I'm like, oh my god, I can't stand this person. Mm-hmm. But I think if if anyone's going to be my least favorite, it's going to be Ed. Yeah, I definitely think Ed comes the closest to being unlikable because he's really not my favorite character. Although the only other character that I'm like, ugh, like I really don't care for this guy is Officer Brad. <laughs> he just like bugged the shit out of me. If for no other reason than like the first night they're there. Yeah. There's that moment where they've like set up all the equipment and they have the cameras that like go off when they sense a, a change in uh <clears throat> temperature and they're all like they're all set up, they're ready to get started, and then suddenly that door opens on its own mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh oh shit. Yeah. And then you hear the toilet flush yeah. and Officer Brad comes out and he throws the towel back in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, can we dissect this moment a little bit? <laughs> <clears throat> First of all, who opens the door to the bathroom before they flush the toilet? That's number one. <laughs> who opens it that creepily when you're investigating a haunting? Number two. And number three, he throws that towel back in the bathroom but I didn't hear a sink. <laughs> Did he wipe his ass with their towels? I was like, Officer Brad is filthy and he is a criminal and he should be imprisoned. I swear to God, he's worse than Bathsheba and Bathsheba threw up in someone's mouth. Yeah, and that was. Which in the age disgusting. of COVID was a totally different yeah, moment. Yeah, it was a totally different moment. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, on so many levels. I was like, dear God. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you know what? What scene absolutely cements me hating Ed Warren a little bit? What? When Cindy is sleepwalking and he's like, no, no, we need this. And they're they're watching. I'm sitting there going like, Roger, do something. I said the same thing. I was like, no, let's just watch her walk away and get trapped in the bedroom. Like, Like for real. And then like. They run into the bedroom and Roger's like, where is she? Where is she, Ed? And he's not like punching Ed in the face or anything. <laughs> he's just like, where the fuck is she? And, and like, I'm sitting here going like, I would have put Patrick Wilson out a fucking window. <laughs> if I had come upstairs and my child was, was missing. Gone. Yeah, <laughs> like, just fucked off into the abyss. Like, for real. My goodness. Yeah, I that was definitely one of my notes. I was like... No, by all means, let's just watch Cindy just fuck off into the dark. It's not like it's done anything violent, so everything's fine. <laughs> Dumb shit. It only killed your dog. Um, and poor Sadie. I know. Poor Sa- And she didn't last long. No, she really Sadie didn't. It was didn't, one night. She didn't even make it 24 hours in that fucking house. She never even went into the house. No. And this, she was the smartest one. Yeah, this poor dog was like, nope. <laughs> and then later that night ugh. I was like if I were that dog I would have just taken off into the woods I would have been like fuck this fuck them fuck everyone I'm out of here <laughs> yeah, fuck this shit I'm out <laughs> now I kind of want to get into um, 
I want to I want to get into the end of this movie. Okay. Because I kind of have a problem with it if I'm being honest. That's fair. Did you like the end of this movie? I'll be honest with you. I I don't dislike but get kind of bored mm-hmm. after the exorcism is over. Like that whole sequence where she's chasing after April. See, like, I think that's more interesting than the exorcism. I would have been more scared if the end scene mm-hmm. was her chasing April through the house. Yeah. And trying to kill her. And kind of the hunt for April and Christine in the house. Mm -hmm. And then, again, I mean, I'm assuming we've deviated from reality at this Um, point. God, I hope so. I almost feel like it would have been a better ending if they had to kill her. I'm kind of with you on that. Like, it's, it's also just the way that she gets unpossessed, which is Lorraine just laying hands on her head. Like, yeah, after she's making baby T-Rex noises. Yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> When she's like, Aah! like, I can't even duplicate the sound. It sounds like the dragons from Warcraft, like the, the Blizzard 1990s Warcraft, not even Age of Warcraft, when, when they're like, it's like she makes that sound when she's possessed and I was like what the fuck is this if anyone sees a, a, a glass of water start rippling like we're out of here <laughs> it's a turkey dinosaur a turkey <laughs> dinosaur has possessed Carolyn yeah no she just kind of lays her hand on her forehead and is just it is just like doesn't actually say the power of Christ compels you but you can like hear it emanating from her yeah. <laughs> and like it's like, just remember that one happy day, the day that you would never forget. And it's just like, this is the dumbest shit. She just had to think of the day she went to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, the beach. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I know they're from New Jersey, but she can't love the shore that much. Like, come on. Her hair isn't that big. Uh, yeah, I I definitely would have liked it better if we could have done away with the exorcism. I wouldn't have minded a dark ending to this movie. Um I wouldn't have minded a dark ending. I think that they wouldn't do it because that's not what that's the, not what, yeah yeah. It, yeah it's 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 also when you have the Warrens as the heroes. Like if she dies, then then like, it's on them. Then it's yeah, on them. and I I just feel like they could have done a million things to like unpossess her. It didn't need to be a a Christian ritual. B this specific one because I'm so bored with exorcisms now at this point. It's like, you're not going to do it the way the exorcist did it. It really wasn't scary. So it's like, <laughs> who ca- it kind of delved into the demon yeah. region of, of, of horror mm-hmm. where this is not supposed to be that this is supposed to be um, a haunting at, at, at best a witch movie at worst. And I kind of would have liked a better resolution. I liked the chase. I liked the chase with the daughter, especially, you know, I mean, there was one moment where I was like, okay, like what, what are you fucking doing here? Because what's his name? I can't remember the character's name. Drew. Uh, is like I found April. She's she's under the house. She's under the kitchen. And then all of a sudden, Bathsheba's was like on it. I was like, <laughs> I was like, why didn't she just draw her a fucking map? Like she's w- under the kitchen, under the third floor. <laughs> like Jesus, she's crawling Drew. west. 
I, I really do think it could have had a stronger ending. Um, I did. I will say I did kind of like the scene with Judy. That was kind of fun. Yeah, it was kind of fun. It was it was tense. It was it was scary. It was a little bit. Again, this is why you don't do this shit with a small child. But yeah. like <laughs> Ed or bring it Lorraine. into the house. <laughs> it's like I um yeah, the Warrens may or may not be listed on an upcoming Fright Dyke post. <laughs> may or may not. Um having to do with Mother's and Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Good mothers, bad fathers. Uh I'm I'm very excited to read that one. <laughs> And you can read it too at patreon.com slash my spooky gay family. Um, <laughs> ding. Ding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did really enjoy the end. The the kind of moment with, with Judy. Although I got to say, fuck Nana. Like, where the fuck I mean, were you? she was trying. Where the fuck? Oh, she was trying? Judy is literally running through the house going, Nana, Nana. And she's in her bedroom watching One Life to Live eating Skinny Pop. <laughs> and and Judy's getting torn apart in the, in the office. And it's like, bitch, what, what else were you doing tonight? I mean, I am going to say, like, what the hell was Nana supposed to do? <laughs> I mean, if she had came out in the first place, maybe she could have been like, hey, Judy, don't go in the office. Let's get in the car and go find mom. Like, <laughs> we could have avoided some of this to begin with. That's fair. <clears throat> so, yeah, my, my my big note for the chase with, with Judy is fuck Nana. <laughs> Um, I also kind of found it funny at the very end, once the possession is over and they're mm-hmm. carrying her out of the house and she obviously, as any parent I think would feels guilty and yeah. she's like grabbing at, at April and she's like, I'm so sorry. I love you so much. I'll never do it again. I can't believe blah, 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 blah. And I was like, if I was April, I would have been like, from here on out, you keep your distance. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, we need six feet from here on out, lady. You just tried to kill me with some scissors. It's, it's one of those things that when she runs into the, like, the group hug at the end, I'm sitting there going, like, why isn't Christine standing, like, two feet to the left, like, I'm good? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Being like, high five. Like, yeah, let's keep in touch. I'm moving in with grandma and grandpa. Yeah, literally. <laughs> You tried to kill me, bitch. Literally. Um, it wasn't me. It was Bathsheba. I don't give a shit. I don't give two damn shits. Looked a hell of a lot like you, lady. I don't give a shit if it was Linda Blair. I ain't going back in. And then they lived in the house for 10 more years. For 10 years. more fucking years. And apparently nothing changed. Every night, mom chases me to bed with a pair of scissors. Good night, moon. Good night, scissors. That's, that was the story in the parent house. Um, and that is, for the most part, The Conjuring. What did you think of them putting the music box in the haunted room? I mean, I guess it made sense because of the whole Rory thing, but like... But Rory wasn't evil. Yeah, Rory he wasn't He saved April, ghost. as far yeah. as we know. Yeah, as far as we can He was tell. like, it's safe in here. Come in here. And he took her into Narnia. Yeah. <clears throat> 
It's Rory Tumnus. That's his name. <laughs> God, that kid's got hairy legs. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I mean, I guess I was fine with it. But, like, I have to admit that was one anticipation moment that I kind of would have liked to pay off for that yeah. we didn't get. Agreed. Um, that one last scare, I wouldn't have minded, even if it was just like something running in the background out of focus. Yeah, like that would have been fine. Um, or yeah, even no. like, even if you could like just barely, because I looked for it. I was like, maybe I've missed it a bunch of times, and there is something there, and, and mm-hmm. like I just didn't catch it. But there, as far as I can tell, there's nothing there. But you can see in the back, there's like this dark section. Yeah, even if like just <clears throat> slightly in the dark. Mm-hmm. You could see Bathsheba or Rory or yeah. something in the dark. Even yeah. just a shape of something would have been, in my opinion, more satisfying. We're going to get like a hundred emails going like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's you right see there. A full <laughs> There's a full apparition in that last moment. Bathsheba <laughs> literally eats the camera. <laughs> She pulls the film out and she poops on it. How did you miss it? I thought you were fans of James Wan. Uh, yeah, but that was that was kind of my take on the whole thing. I, d- I do love this movie. I know I've been a bit critical, but I, I do think that there are a lot of really good scares in this movie. I do think James Wan is a phenomenal director and really does a good job of building the tension in this movie and Mm -hmm. of delivering on some really quality scares. Yeah. Like particularly, I I still love when Nancy gets dragged around by her hair. That's one of my favorite sequences in the movie. Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, a little reminiscent of paranormal activity three, but but uh, we we can roll with it or two. Is it two? I think it's two. Whatever, whichever one it was. Um, It is a little reminiscent, but no less terrifying, I suppose. No. And definitely Gave her something to talk about at school the next day. Especially since Lorraine cut off like half of <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I was like, I was like, well, that's gonna be a hard haircut to explain. <laughs> no one thought to like grab her ankle. They were like, nope, Mm-mm. cut her hair off. This is all the all the dudes just kind of dove for her like she was a fucking football, and Lorraine is just like, snip. <laughs> like Herbert from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Dunk. <laughs> well kids i think that is about as far as we can go with uh the conjuring i hope you guys liked this episode even if like okami you're not a big fan of the movie let us know what you think we'd love to hear it if there's something we missed or if there is uh a, a favorite moment of yours we do always love to hear it uh send us your messages on social media or you can email us at spookygayfam at gmail.com we'd love to hear your stories um, and we'll be back next week with uh, new mini, mini microsodes on Patreon and a brand new episode right here wherever you're listening. So until then, stay spoopy and remember. Clap. 
My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips from The Conjuring, distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures 2013. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Thank you.